Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Well, I'd like for you to locate two places in your Bibles today, two locations that's Matthew 18, 21, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. If you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us today. I want you to find these locations in your Bible as well because I want you to follow along. Matthew 18, 21, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Leave that up there for a little while so you can, guys can find that real quick. But it is a holiday weekend, but the holiday weekend is... What is it? It's Independence Day, right? Tomorrow is Independence Day. And I was raised to be very, very patriotic. Uh, and and my, my, my father instilled that patriotism in me. And, and it was, he always said, we, we have to appreciate and love the nation that we're in. It's not perfect, but compared to what's, what else is out there. How many of you have traveled the world? If you have, you know, you know there's nothing like the United States of America. You know it. And I'm grateful for our land. I'm grateful for our country. My dad, uh, he patrolled the 38th parallel. He was in the Korean War. And at the very end of that war, there was, there was this uh, one-mile stretch of land which separated North Korea from South Korea. Many of you know what I'm talking about. And that is known as the 38th parallel. And my dad was, was one of the patrols. And he said he saw so many people fleeing on foot, dodging the bullets that were flying at them from North Korea, trying to get out of communism. Marxism, socialism had taken over that country and they wanted out. They wanted out desperately. And he, he saw so many of those people. He said most of them were killed. Some made it over, but people would, were risking their lives. They would rather die with the hope of getting to freedom than to live under the tyranny that was in North Korea. And, and my dad was clear about this. He says, that I'll never forget the sights that I saw out there on the 38th parallel. Everything that he saw in the war, he just said, really, it never compared to what he saw there. And I'm grateful for my freedom. I'm grateful for this country. I'm, I'm uh, you know, in, in spite of past sins or misdeeds, I have always been a patriot. I love my country. And I, I, I just, I, I have to remind you, I want to remind you that we're blessed. We are blessed. And if you don't believe we're blessed, go travel somewhere else for a good month or two. And I'm not saying go to a resort where they lock you in and make everything nice and perfect. That's kind of phony. But, but if you go somewhere and you explore other, other nations on this earth, you'll find that we are very, very blessed country. But we have to continue to fight for that freedom. And, and one of the ways that Christians fight for that is with our prayers and with our lives. The scriptures, I was, I was, reading, uh, I was reading the story of of, of Solomon, and when Solomon was <clears throat> was going to become the, the, actually he had become the king, and he had built the temple, and 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 God spoke to Solomon, and he said these words to him, and they're located in Second Second Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen, and he said, God said, if my people, who are called by my name, and if you're called by the name of the Lord, look at this, if you'll humble yourself, pray. 
seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Three things, I mean, several, four things actually there. Humble yourself, pray, seek the face of God, and turn from your wicked ways. What does it say? It says, then I will hear. God says, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. Our land needs healing, doesn't it? Our land needs healing. Will you guys just pray with me? Because it says right here, prayer is one of those elements. Let's pray right now for our land. God, I thank you for the United States of America. I thank you for the, the great freedoms that we have, Lord. And, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm glad to be an American. I'm so glad that you allowed me to live in this nation, to live in this country, and experience the many blessings and freedoms that we have. Uh, but God, I also pray for healing. God, I, I know there are, there, there are wounds and there are fractures and there's pain that's in our nation. So I pray for healing in our land in the name of Jesus Christ. Send your healing. Send, send just, just waves of your glory and your presence. And God, let us be people that will carry you into the darkest places in this nation to bring light to bring life, to bring hope, and to bring blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, today's message is entitled, How to Break Strongholds. And, and I, I, I need to tell you up front that this is, what I'm sharing with you today is not a formula. I don't believe in, in uh, there, are, there are really not, no formulas per se in the Bible. Formulas, you know, it, it basically takes the Word of God, the stories, the gospel, and boils it down into equations. And I'm not that much into equations. Uh, I, I didn't do great in math anyway. Maybe that's why. But, but it's not a formula. It's not an equation, what I'm sharing with you. But I'm sharing with you methods of how to break strongholds. We're going to learn what strongholds are today. We're going to learn about the primary source that, that opens the door to strongholds. Now, as I was preparing, uh, before I even began preparing for this message, it was, uh, this actually came about from an email that one of our elders had sent me and just, just uh, mentioning some things that were on their heart. And I was like, you know what? I, I think there, there's really a sermon here. And so if you're that elder that sent me this, this, this is actually a sermon which, which is developed out of that email. It's little do you guys know, so many of the things you say to me actually end up becoming sermons. But, but today, I want you to take notes. I really need for you to take notes. I have a lot of scriptures that I'm going to be, uh, be giving to you. So get your notebooks out and, and get ready to write several things down. And, uh, and, and, and just, just allow God to customize this message so that it will come across very personal and real to you. Um, it's interesting because any time, I've, I've noticed this for years. I, I noticed this when I finally became a senior pastor several years ago, uh, over 20 years ago. I, uh, I noticed that when I would get ready to preach a sermon or even preach a series of sermons, God would always, and I'm telling you guys, this, it works this way all the time, God will always test me and challenge me in what I'm going to preach before I can preach it. It's like God wants to squeeze it out of me, squeeze and squish me in order for me to be able to deliver it with true heart. I said, God, God wants me to pass, this, pass some tests before I... I do this, and so I just want to, I just want to tell you guys, it, it's not fun. It's not always fun. It, well, actually, it's, it's never fun when I get squeezed, but the result of it, for me personally, is wonderful, and I hope that you will feel that as well. 
So I began uh, preparing this sermon several weeks ago, and, and then I, I, I had so much content. I was looking over it, and, and I, I looked at all the stuff that I had piled into my notes on this, and I, I just used my computer to do like a, a word count on how many words were there. And I know that's actually about a three-hour sermon. I can't, I can't do that to you, but I thought, I'm going to do it to you. So you guys will be here until about... 2 p.m. today. At, just kidding. No, it won't be. But, but, I, but I, began, I had to trim out a lot because in reality, what I'm sharing with you today is more like a series, but, but I feel like I, I need to nail it all in one day. So I want you guys to open up. You got to have an open heart here. So the, the question is, is what is a stronghold? What are strongholds? Because if we're going to break strongholds, we need to know what they are. Now, I want to just tell you a little bit about how I've designed this message. We're going to start off talking about strongholds. Then we're going to move into this part. Where we're going to talk about the source of them, how they get started. And then we're going to move back to talking about the breaking the strongholds again. So you've got to deal with the problem. You've got to deal with the foundational issue right up front. So what is a stronghold? Strongholds are beliefs beliefs let's put that up on the screen if we can beliefs or emotions that have given a foothold to the devil now jot that down that's that's important every word they are beliefs that's something that's in your head and some maybe something you've heard from others it may be something that that you've just that you've read something that you've just felt and and, and it's also so that beliefs can also uh, be uh, be rephrased as thoughts but I like the word beliefs a little bit better. So it's beliefs or emotions. Those are feelings. So it's basically thoughts and feelings that have one way or another given a foothold to the devil. Now, as I was, as I was looking at this, I gave you some scriptures up front. We'll be looking at those scripture passages a little bit later in the message. But in one of those scripture passages, it talks about strongholds. And, and, uh, and the definition, that, that word stronghold that's in there, talks about a castle or a fortress. And, and it says there that we're supposed to demolish these, these, these castles or these fortresses in our lives because they are access points for the devil. So we're to destroy the fortifications and then drive the devil out. Now, uh, and, and another way of saying a stronghold, what is a stronghold, is uh, this is the first definition I ever learned of it, but someone preached one time, and I picked it up, and I stole this from them. I don't even remember who they are, but they're not getting credit for it today because I can't even remember who they are. But a, a stronghold is basically this. It is a hold that is strong. It's just a hold that, that's strong, that, and that makes sense. And it could be like a sin pattern. It could be an unhealthy habit. It might, it might manifest itself as an addiction, uh, maybe an inability to tell the truth. It could be hauntings. It could be night terrors. It could be paralyzing uh, fear. It could just be intense cravings that you just can't, you can't control cravings to do evil. Uh, it could be even a, like a love of money or an addiction to entertainment or something else. It could be rebellion or rage. It could be violence. And, and I mean, you might, you might be a person who's been saved and baptized. You say, man, I'm saved and I'm baptized, but why is this holding on? Why do I have this issue? Well, it could be, it could be a spiritual stronghold. Now, 
Please understand, as I'm talking through this, when I'm talking about the devil having a fortress, it does not mean that you're demon-possessed uh, as believers. I, I don't believe that, that demons, the, that, that believers are demon-possessed, but it could be a stronghold. And this stronghold, it can impact your home, it can impact your business, it can impact your church, it can impact a city. It's very interesting because different cities have different strongholds. Uh, there, there are certain strongholds that are here that are not in Dallas. There are certain strongholds in Dallas that are not here, and, and in churches and in families as well, and individual lives. So this thing has a rippling effect that goes out. But, but these, these are strongholds, and strongholds, when it, when it affects families and businesses and churches and cities, it affects more than just one person. It affects many other people. Uh, strongholds can be manifest by maybe continual sickness or uh, just just unexplainable financial challenges, dissension or confusion. It, it could just be seen as this constant chaos. That could be uh, what, what the stronghold looks like. So, but as I go into this, it's also really important to understand this other thing. Not every negative thing that happens in your life is the result of a stronghold. Not everything. You see, we live in a fallen world. And bad stuff just happens sometimes. It, it just happens. And bad stuff affects everyone. So everything is not necessarily a stronghold. There's a, there's a middle road that I want you to take here. And I'm going to ask you to take this journey with me to understand it. But, but, but I do believe this. We are very wise to consider the possibility, in fact, the reality of strongholds, that they could be the culprit behind some of the unrelenting challenges that you guys keep facing and over and over and over again. Now, here's an example of a stronghold and how it comes into being. I like this. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. See that? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, pause there for a second. Think about that. What causes anger? It's other people, right? People make you angry. And so, and that is a normal part of life. It doesn't say that, that anger itself is sin, but in your anger, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because what you're doing is it will give the devil a foothold. Look at the second part of that verse. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. That's a foot in the door to create a stronghold. Okay? Again, you've got to go back. Okay, we, we tend to look at that part of, well, we don't want the devil to have a foothold. But you've got to take a couple steps back. What's the reason for that? It's because you were angry. You didn't deal with your anger. Well, what caused the anger? Well, it was because somebody did something to you. It always is somebody did something to you. Somebody said something to you, and you can't get over it. The reason you can't get over it is because you haven't forgiven them, and you're mad. I mean, maybe somebody deceived you. They, they, they abandoned you. They, they lied about you, and you just can't let it go, and you're seething. You, 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 you just let this anger continue to boil up in you, and you can't forgive them, and, and you go to sleep with it. And, and in, in, in your anger, you even sin. Sometimes in anger, a lot of people just act out and do sinful things just because they're angry. Or they'll lash out at other people and cause harm to other people because they're angry. All right, What happens in these circumstances, when you don't deal with it, you are giving the devil a 
foothold, and then a stronghold is established. And I will be honest with you, I've been doing ministry all my life, and in my experience working with people is that unforgiveness is the origin of most strongholds. I'll say it again. Unforgiveness is the origin of most strongholds. You were wounded, and you can't forgive, or or you don't want to forgive, and you want that other person to pay. Uh, Your mind begins to create these scenarios of, of what you're going to say and what you're going to do to them. And as your mind creates those strategies... Please understand, that's the devil speaking into you. That's demonic. The, the enemy is, is, is coaxing you into this place of darkness. <clears throat> you have given the devil a foothold. And he begins to wreak havoc in various areas of your life. And very likely, he'll begin wreaking havoc in areas of your life that has nothing to do with the person that, actually, uh, that, that you're actually upset with, that you're angry with. The devil begins whispering lies of all types and creates that stronghold. We begin thinking things. We begin feeling things. Remember, that's what a stronghold is. And we begin to act out on those things. And, 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 and And you just notice things just seem like it's all confusing. And you can't really connect the dots. Well, today, I'm wanting to help you connect the dots. Connect the dots. And I'm going to give you a strategy for you to break free. And it begins with something called forgiveness. Forgiveness. In fact, forgiveness is linked to a release of the Holy Spirit to break, to demolish, to pulverize strongholds in your life. It means that you need to forgive the person who failed you. Now, I know most of the time we, we push our feelings, those, that, that unforgiveness, we push it down so low in our lives a lot of times you don't even realize that it's there. One of my prayers for you today is that God will reveal to you deep, deep recesses of unforgiveness that's there and allow it to come to the surface so you can deal with it, so you can walk out of here free, so you can walk out of here light as a feather. That's what God wants for you. See, be, be, but that unforgiveness becomes part of you. But I'm asking you to allow God to expose it today, to pull it out into the open for you. So I'll, let, let's expose it. So here's what we're going to do. I, we're going to do a quick self-exam. And the, the, the big question is, are you harboring unforgiveness? I want you to consider answers to these questions. I'm not going to ask you to respond out loud, but I want you to, to very, be very wise and respond to these questions internally. Are you holding some grudges against people? Uh, do you find yourself retreating into isolation from others? See, these are all symptoms of unforgiveness. Do you experience, like, boiling rage? Do you constantly think of ways to get even with people who have hurt you? Are you, do you find yourself burying wrongs that are done to you without even really addressing them, just thinking, I can just push it down and move on? Are you carrying bitterness or anger toward people who have hindered you and who have possibly willfully even wronged you? Do you feel like nobody's as bad off as you are? Do you feel like um, you're unable to trust people? feel like you need to get even with people? Do you ever say to yourself, there's no way I can ever forgive him. I I just can't forgive her. Are you possibly angry with God 
for allowing some bad things to happen in your life? So how did you do on your unforgiveness self-exam? Now, think about that. And this is beginning, I'm, I'm allowing God now, we want to allow God to begin to pry a little bit deeper inside so that you can begin to address it. Now, some of you are thinking, man, Pastor Tim, you're causing me to think of some things I don't want to think about. No, actually, it, it's, it's going to be okay because the goal is, is that we're going to get, get this slate clean. We're going to cut that stuff out before we leave. And you're going to leave here light as a feather. You want that, right? Two or three people want that. Okay, for those of you who want that, <laughs> we're going to keep moving forward because I'm preaching to you, and I'm just kidding. So, the question is, are you harboring unforgiveness? And if you are, and all of us deal with this to some degree, I want you to look at this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. It's up on the screens. It says, it says this, Jesus says, for if you, this is powerful, listen to these words. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, like when they do bad stuff to you, <laughs> your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Pretty cool, right? Hey, I forgive people, God forgives me. Uh-oh, look at the second part. Here we go. But if you do not forgive others their sins, that, that's what that means when they've sinned against you, not that they went out and, and uh, you know, drove fast on the freeway and broke the speed limit. You have to forgive them of their sin. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you, you forgive them for the things they've done against you. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Did you get that? You can't be forgiven if you're not forgiving other people. What does that mean? That means you're building this wall between you and God, and you are hindering and possibly even stopping the work of God in your life. And this is how a stronghold gets established, just like that. I know you're saying, but how, how do I forgive a person who who uh, assaulted my character at work. Man, how can I forgive my ex because of the pain that they caused? How can I forgive my abuser? How do I forgive the person that literally destroyed my business? Well, think of it this way. Unforgiveness is like holding on to a hot coal or a burning ember. And you have this intention of taking that thing and hurling it at somebody else. But at the same time, you are burning yourself up the whole time. You're inflicting really more pain on yourself by holding on to that desire to get even, that holding on to that unforgiveness, than it will ever hurt the other person. You see, when you hold on to resentment, what happens is then you just begin to relive the pain of the bad experience over and over and over again. And not only does this take a dramatic toll on your emotions, but it also affects you physically. Doctors are saying this now. They're saying this everywhere, that unforgiveness is one of the biggest issues that causes people to be physically unhealthy. In fact, I had a whole portion of the sermon I was going to talk about all the things that I found about unforgiveness and how it makes you sick. I'm not going to do it. You get to do the research on that yourself. But I'm telling you, it's there. It can powerfully and negatively impact your physical well-being. So when you can't forgive that person who's hurt you, what you're really doing is you are giving them power over you. They have power over you because you're holding them in unforgiveness. They're actually in control. 
They have power over you, over you, like when you sleep. They have power over your appetites. They have power over your blood pressure and your health and your happiness. And your anger, your desire to get even, is not even hurting them. And what it's doing is it's turning your own days and nights into this hellish turmoil. And now you see that you've given place to the devil. You've actually allowed a stronghold now to get set up in your life where the enemy can do all kinds of stuff in your life. See, God commands that you forgive the people who have injured you or who have abused you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this. It says, be kind and compassionate to each other. Now, think of the person or the people or individuals that God's already brought into your mind. So most of you are thinking about stuff right now. Think about that. Be kind and compassionate toward one another, forgiving each other. Here's the key line. Just as Christ God forgave you. God forgave you. See that scripture right there? He was kind and compassionate to you. So now that you're a Christian, you get to do the same. That's part of being a Christian. You get to do, not you have to, you get to. You get to do the same. A lot of people say, yeah, I want to be like Jesus walking through this world. Yeah, actually, a lot of times they just think, they're thinking, well, I just want to go work some miracles and have some people applaud at me. I just want to walk into restaurants and start breaking loaves and fishes and feeding the multitudes. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Well, that's fine. But, but I tell you what, walking around being like Jesus is being kind and compassionate to other people, forgiving other people. Now, forgiveness, where did it originate? Forgiveness came to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's critical. We're going to be celebrating with Holy Communion here in just a few minutes at the end of this sermon. And, and that's going to be recognizing what Christ did for us on the cross. Your sins, your sins were forgiven on the cross. Jesus, he shed his blood. His body was nailed to the cross. He died. He rose again. And now you get to do the same ministry as Jesus because you're a Christian. Here's how all this got started. On the very evening of Resurrection Sunday, that's the day when Jesus Christ arose from the grave. We celebrate that on Easter. And I, but I mentioned this on Easter. It's like there's a little part of the story about Easter Sunday that not many people talk about. Is that evening, Jesus walked into this gathering of all the disciples where they were together that same very day on Resurrection Sunday. And look at this. It's on the screens. John 20, verses 22 and 23 Keep in mind, Jesus hasn't spoken to his disciples yet at all. He appears in this room where they are, and he breathed on them. He was, the breath represents spirit. So, so what was happening, he was breathing on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So be receptive. Breathing upon you, the Holy Spirit is going to come dwell in you. Now, What's it going to say next? Now I want you to go and change the world. No. What does he say next? Now I want you guys to start multiplying loaves and fishes. No, that's not what he said. Now I want you guys to start believing that God's going to give you better cars in the future. No, that's not what he's saying. What did he say? What did, I like it earlier because Jake says he likes foundations. You want to know the biggest foundation? It's right here. It's right here. Before you do anything... The first thing that happened after the resurrection to the disciples, he gives them the Holy Spirit. And he says, if anyone, if you forgive anyone his sins, 
they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Like, well, where'd that come from? Well, the whole thing about the cross was about forgiveness. Now Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit and said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. Now you get to do this too. Now that is powerful. That is powerful. And that the breathing of the Holy Spirit is the representation of the salvation experience. So these people got saved at that time. So why was Jesus' first words to his followers about forgiveness? Why? Because it's the foundation. They needed to know this, that they now had the ministry of Jesus, and you do too, it's the ministry of Jesus to forgive people. And your choice, this is incredible, your choice to forgive others either releases God's forgiveness or it withholds God's forgiveness. All right, there's this great story in Matthew chapter number 18. And I, I want you to look at this. This is where I ask you to open your Bibles to. Matthew 18, verse 21. It's about forgiveness and how it binds you up and how it can loose, uh, loose things in your life as well. See, Jesus had just completed a teaching with his disciples about the power of forgiveness. He, already, he talked to them about how to work through offenses. That means when people have sinned against you and made you angry. And so catching the drift of Jesus' teaching... Uh, Peter, one of his followers, who's the most outspoken, rambunctious of all the men, very passionate, he posed a very interesting question to Jesus. Now, now look here, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, well, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to like seven times? Now, he's thinking, this is good, man. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll forgive him seven times. Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, he's saying there's no limit. Don't even try to keep track of it. And then Jesus does what he typically does. He goes and tells a parable, and he explains the power of forgiveness and unforgiveness. I'll tell you up front, I do preach from this parable at least once a year, one way or another. I don't know how it always ends up in my sermons, but I think it's because it's one of the most sobering parables that I find in the Bible. It really is. Okay, Jesus tells the story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, that would have been an impossible amount to repay at that time. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Well, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And the the servant's master took pity on him, and he didn't even choose to be patient with him. He canceled the debt, and he let him go. Because that's what God does for us. See, that's when we say, God, I I have sin in my life. I need your help. And God said, You know what? Wages of sin is death. That's just the way it's going to be. He said, "But, but, But I need help please, I'll, I'll work and I'll do all these things. And God says, no, I'll just forgive it all. I'll just forgive it all. Okay, so that's the picture of the kingdom there. But, dun, dun, dun. Here's the story when it begins to change. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii would have been like a few bucks. He grabbed him <laughs> and began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him be patient with me 
and I'll pay you back. He's saying the exact same thing that this guy had said to the king. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay all the debt. Thank God in America we don't have debtor's prison. Isn't that great? It's another one of the wonderful things about our nation. They had it back then. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. Like that was the dude that had been forgiven the, uh, that huge, massive amount of money. And he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? That's what God says to us when we don't forgive. You catching the drift here? We don't forgive. That's what God's saying. Can't, I've had mercy on you. Can't you just do the same to someone else? And in his anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be what? What does your Bible say there? Tortured. What, is some, uh, what are some other verses? What do you see? Tortured? Tortured. Okay. That's, that's bad stuff. Until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now you begin to understand why the first thing Jesus said when he, when he had been resurrected and he saw the disciples, he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, but you've got to understand this forgiveness thing is huge now. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. See, what this is saying is that through unforgiveness, you put yourself into a prison to be tortured by demons. That's what it's being said here. See, unforgiveness has horrible side effects. And, and, and so no wonder so many people who are God-honoring believers, like, hey, I love God, I go to church, but you're dealing with strongholds. See, somebody somewhere needs to be forgiven, and you need to release that forgiveness so you can get out of your own prison. Who is it? Will you forgive them? Now, after hearing all this, some of you are saying, okay, I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to, to do some forgiveness. I get this. I see what the Bible's saying now. But at the same time, uh, some of you might say, yeah, I have a little bit of anxiety about this forgiveness thing because I don't know. I mean, and, and the truth is there are a lot of misconceptions about this. So let's, let's, just, let's just nail some of the misconceptions. There are a lot that are out there about forgiveness because I just don't want, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Well, here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not amnesia. You're not going to forget it. It doesn't mean you're going to forget the incident. Uh, You're not going to forget the pain that was involved. But it does mean, forgiveness does mean that God will heal you from it. It may take some time, and there will very likely be a scar that will remain. Any of you guys have scars, scars on your body? Well, all the, all the guys in here should, should say yes. I mean, ladies, I'm sure you do too, but, but I know, boys, when, when I was a kid, I got plenty of good scars. Man, I've got scars all over my body from when I was 6, 5, 4, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I got most of my scars in my life during that time period right there. I still look at a scar right here where a dog bit me on my hand. It will be there forever. It reminds me, don't mess around with dogs that aren't yours when they're fighting your dog. It's just, this is a little, just a little you know, side teaching right there, all right? But... but there will still be scars 
But that scar will be a reminder of what God has healed you from, and that scar will also give you the ability to tell the story so other people can be healed as well. You can talk about your past pain without reliving the past pain so you can learn, so, so other people can learn to forgive just like you can. Now, God, He is the only one who has the ability to forgive and to forget. He can forgive and forget. We can only forgive. God has not granted us the gift of selective amnesia. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Now, here's another one. Forgiveness is not acquittal. It's not acquittal. What an acquittal is, it is to find the, the, the person who offended, the person who sinned, the person who did the wrong to you. That basically finds them blameless and they have no responsibility. That, that's acquittal. Well, forgiveness doesn't mean that they never did the evil in the first place. What it means is you're going to go ahead and let God be the judge over that situation, and you're going to excuse yourself from being the judge because God's going to judge them a whole lot better than you could ever judge them the rest of your life. Now, that right there is kind of reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, God will take care of that. Another thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an approval of the violating behavior. You're not approving of it, but... By, by forgiving them, you're not just admitting, well, the offense was okay, and, and it was all right, and say, you know, I, I, I forgive you. Okay, well, it's okay. It's okay what you did. No, it's not okay what they did. <laughs> so you're not approving of their behavior, but you have to still forgive. See, forgiveness also is only needed when, uh, when you actually don't approve of the other person's behavior. I do not approve of your behavior. That causes you to forgive. If you approve of their behavior, you don't need to forgive anything. Right? Right? Okay, here's another one. Forgiveness is not necessarily agreement with the other person. You know, most likely you will have or you do have huge differences with the other person who hurt you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with the action they took or the attitudes they convey or the lifestyle that they bring. So, so you don't have to be in agreement with them. Another thing about that is forgiveness does not mean reunion. It doesn't mean reunion. You don't need to welcome the person back into your life. Uh, you can care about him or her. You can still uh, work with him or her on the job. You can serve and you can worship with him or her in your church. But you don't have to be restored into relationship that completely ignores the harm that he or she inflicted to you. You don't have to do that. It only takes one person to forgive, but it takes two people to be reunited, and you can't force the other person to do that. So reuniting is not something that you have to do. I know there's a song, Reunited, and it feels so good. Reunited. And I, I sang that song so many times during the writing of the sermon. I'm like, stop. I'd stop. That's not where I'm going with the sermon. And it comes back to my mind now, and I don't want to sing it anymore. But it takes two to be reunited. Forgiveness can occur when you forgive or another person forgives and the other person never even says they're sorry. Some of you think, well, I'm going to forgive them and they're going to get up on the platform at church and they're going to give me a public apology. Honey, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Just let it go. But being, being reunited with that other person will only happen when the other person is honestly sorry and then you may have to create boundaries on what that reunited thing looks like and it may not feel so good. All right, so just forgive, all right, forgive. And what you got to do is you got to forgive people 
forgive people for what they did to wound you or to wrong you. It's not forgiving an organization or an institution. I'm going to forgive Ford Motor Company because my car got a flat. Well, no, you know, you just you don't, don't. Just, you, you don't have to forgive Ford. That doesn't work that way. Uh, but that's where you, you need to forgive. Like, I forgive Martha for stealing my dog. I'm going to forgive Bernard for cussing me out. And you can just go on and on and on, whatever it is. And another thing, if you're going to forgive, you've got to stop demonizing the person. Now, what does that mean t- to demonize a person? Well, it's where you just constantly assault the other person with verbiage, and they're not even there, and you're just saying how bad they are. I had someone do this, uh, do this uh, several years ago. It was, it was a leader in our community, and they came and talked to me, and we was working on a city project. And, and both of us, the city leader and myself, we were dealing with conflict from this this you know, very high-profile individual in the church, in, in the community. And uh, this, this city council member came to me and said, you know what, that guy is the spawn of Satan. I said, no, it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. It's, no, no, no. It's the spawn of Satan. Yes, he is. Well, you haven't dealt with him. Well, I have. You have. Okay. But he's not the spawn of Satan. And, and that person is not Satan's son. It is not. It, the, no, you stop demonizing the other person. And quit entertaining thoughts about how you're going to get revenge, how you're going to even the score. You've got to let that go. You have to surrender the right to get even. That's when those thoughts keep going in your head. That's where the stronghold takes effect. But you might be saying, well, well, yeah, but you don't understand. He wrecked my career. She destroyed my health. He took my peace of mind. She killed my marriage. He took my kids, and I want to even the score. Wrong. Wrong. You can never release the power of forgiveness until you surrender the right to get even. You will remain bound up, and the stronghold will become getting, will just continue getting stronger and stronger and stronger in your life, causing all kinds of havoc in areas of your life that you had never even considered would be messed up because of this. Now, how do you do this? Well, if possible, you need to tell the person that you've forgiven them. You need to like if it's a person who's here maybe catch them after the service and talk to them privately please don't go out in the foyer and yell at them hey bob i forgive you no no just don't don't do don't do that but it may mean giving the person a phone call it could be writing a letter or sending an email i know we don't like doing those things but it may mean doing that if you have absolutely no other option a text message will do but text messages are kind of sorry they're kind of lame but One time I preached on this, and somebody posted on social media the forgiveness. I said, take it down, please. Take it down. You don't need to post it on social media that you have forgiven somebody. That's just weird, okay? That's that's weird. You're drawing attention to yourself. You're exalting yourself, saying, praise me, praise me, because I have forgiven. Actually, I think you're right back in the same trap again. You just, you know, don't don't create a YouTube video and put it out there hoping that it's going to go viral. My forgiveness to Billy Bob, all right? But, and, and when you forgive, allow no strings to be attached. And, you know, another thing, you, I know this is painful, but you can't expect something else in return from them. Not even a word or a gesture or nothing. Because if you do, all you're doing is you're setting yourself up to be hurt again in case they don't respond, because they may not. And you've got to be willing to let that go. And to get to this process, you need to ask God to forgive you for your own unforgiveness and then receive the healing that you need, receive the forgiveness that you need, receive the miracle that you're, you've been desperate for, receive the deliverance that you need because you have been forgiven, you can now, because, excuse me, because you have forgiven, 
you can now be forgiven by God. Now, when forgiveness is out of the way, you are ready to begin demolishing the strongholds that have been holding you back. Because you can't go after the stronghold until you deal with the forgiveness. But there's more to it. I, I would like to say it's just forgiveness, but I was studying and researching this, and there's another element to it. I said, God, God, if I add this other element, I'm, we're going to be in church for five more minutes, and some people might get mad at me, and, and I, they might say, say, Pastor, I'm too hungry. I'm going to have to leave. Well, just stay with me. Stay with me. Because you don't, not only need to forgive, but you need to bless. You've got to also bless them. Yeah? Bless them with words. Bless them with deeds. Pray blessings over them. Because this is actually a test as to whether you've really forgiven them or not. Because that's hard. Forgiveness is difficult, but blessing or praying blessing or doing something, that's even more difficult. But I want to say, you can do this. You can do this with God's help. Here's what Jesus said. Luke 6, 27. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And what? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Why did they have to put that in the Bible? Because that just makes it so much more challenging. You know, one of the things we do at the conclusion of our services, we do this practice that was instituted by God through Moses to, uh, to, to the children of Israel. And this started over 3,500 years ago, and it's called the priestly blessing. But I want you to follow with me. This priestly blessing is a model for how we are supposed to bless. All right, here it is in Numbers chapter 6. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you should bless the Israelites. You say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name in the Israelites and I will bless them. So when we speak the blessing, God gives the blessing. Yeah, so, so what the priests would do is they would, they would, they would do their, their hands like this, you know, like, like that. When I, when I was a kid, it's like that was what Spock did. Any of y'all remember that? Yeah, well, it's kind of like that, except they put their hands out. And I'm going to do the wrong hand motion. Some, some of you are like, you're, you're Jewish, and you, you know all this stuff a thousand times better than me. Well, God bless you. I'm just kind of just doing this as a little thing. But, but they, would, they would do this, and, and the priests, they still do this. They still do this, but they lift their hands, and they speak this blessing. That is the blessing, the blessing the blessing. They speak this blessing. And you should too. You should bless others. Now, I know some of you said, well, Pastor Tam, that's for the priest to do, and I'm not a priest. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. New Testament believers are priests. What is a priest? A priest is someone who goes into the presence of God. It's someone who communicates with God. It's someone who can go deep into his presence and approach the throne of God. You're a priest, buddy. That's what the whole thing of the New Testament is about. That's why the curtain was torn, you know, when Jesus was, was crucified. We can all approach the throne of God. And now you can take this blessing and you can bless others with us. God bless Archibald, (laughs) and God keep him close at hand. God smile on him and show him your grace. God just look in his direction and give him provision and peace and strength and comfort. And if you're the person who offended you is named Archibald, you just now have a script that you can actually begin to go by. See, blessing, blessing a person is a critical next step for forgiveness. What it will do is it will actually break your resentment of them. Remember, Jesus forgave on the cross. So we now forgive because we carry his spirit in us. We also bless. 
I love this. Because you realize that Jesus' final words to his followers before he ascended into heaven was this very same blessing. I never connected the dots until a few weeks ago as I was reading. And it was funny because I was reading in the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. And I saw this like, wait, wait what did Jesus do when he left? I've always just kind of skipped over. He blessed them. Okay, look at Luke chapter 24. verse. This is on the screens. When he led them out of the vicinity, vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into the heaven. So when he lifted his hands, that is the symbol of the priestly blessing. What did Jesus say as he was going up into the sky? What did he say? He was saying, listen to this. He was saying something to his disciples and his followers who had abandoned him, who left him naked on the cross, the ones who, Peter, who said, I don't even know him. And he started cussing and said, I have no idea who that is. Everybody's hiding out. And now Jesus, who had already forgiven them and breathed on them and gave them the power to forgive others, now he, his final words are blessing to them. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Can you bless others the way God has blessed you? Can you? Are you willing to keep blessing until your heart is finally at peace? Well, do you want to break strongholds? If you want to do, if you need to forgive and bless. Strongholds are now weakened when you forgive and you bless, and you can be free. The strongholds have less power now. This action of forgiving and blessing others has released God into the scene, and now things are beginning to happen. So again, wrap this up. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a belief or an emotion that has given that has actually given a foothold to the devil. So it's your way of thinking. It's your way of processing. It's a feeling. And strongholds operate in your mind and your emotion. They operate in your soul. Again, it doesn't mean that you're demon-possessed, but it does mean that the devil now has access to you and he is holding you back. It is time to demolish that stronghold today. How is that stronghold now manifesting in your life? The last scripture I told you to look up. There's a final scripture for the day. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 3. This is where Paul addresses this issue of strongholds. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine, that means supernatural, godly power to do what? To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments arguments and every pretension things that we're saying thoughts that we're having that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to christ so that's where the stronghold operates that that creates all of this negative junk in your life and we're going to practice this today we're going to start with holy communion And then we're going to pray some prayers. We're going to release some forgiveness. And God's going to work some miracles in this place today. The Spirit of God has been been speaking to you. The Spirit of God has been convicting you. God has given you His Word. And it is as clear as it can be. And now's the time to act on this. Because the beginning of the breaking of the strongholds in your life is right around the corner. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.